think though a lot of people think conversational marketing, um, even conversational sales, is like connect to like live chat or chatbots. And it's, it's not, and I'm gonna explain you why it's not. A, a chatbot or live chat, just like email marketing, is a tool. Hey, welcome everyone. It's Tom Abbott here on the Selling in Asia podcast. Thank you for joining us. I am so excited to have with us today. This is going to be a great episode. We've got Mark Killens here. Now, Mark is the VP of content and community at Drift, where he leads the content, community, and learning and development teams. Now, Mark oversees Drift's editorial and L&D functions, Drift Insider, and hypergrowth events. Now, before joining Drift, Mark served as VP and founder of HubSpot Academy. So I am very excited to have with us today on the Selling in Asia podcast, we've got Mark. Mark, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure. Awesome. I'm really excited. We've been Drift customers, Drift users for quite some time. So to actually have the man behind Drift here with us on the podcast, I'm really excited to really dive in. So, so let's do that. Can you tell us more about what you're doing at Drift? Yeah. So, I mean, Drift is a revenue acceleration platform. So we help businesses create and close more revenue faster. It's that simple. And what I do at Drift is I'm actually helping businesses understand how to do that using two solutions. And we'll talk about both of these, I think, today, Tom. One is conversational marketing. And another solution is conversational sales. And they go together really well. And I think um, a lot of salespeople will care about like, oh, yeah, conversational sales. That sounds interesting. But I would argue that sales folks are going to care just as much about conversational marketing. And I think we should get into that. Okay, well, let's do I think this is great. So what exactly is conversational marketing? Why don't we start with that? Yeah, I mean, the simple definition is it creates instant and personalized engagement with your customers and buyers. And it it does that by accelerating the business revenue because conversational marketing is about removing the friction from the customer experience. And, And the key to that definition, I think, Tom, is instantaneous. So no matter who's coming to your website, especially right now when everything basically is digital, Everything is digital first. Digital transformation has gone from a, you know, maybe 10-year project, maybe a three-year project to a three-month project to a 12-month project for most businesses. So as a, as a marketer and salesperson, you know, for example, the ways in which you are actually able to connect with people who are interested in buying your product or service via your website through the different channels and campaigns and programs you're using to get them to the website is more important than ever. So the marketing side is really about starting the conversation. On the sales side, the conversational sales side, it's about how do we have the best possible conversations with people, no matter if they're a brand new customer and they're going through that buying journey and maybe they're an open opportunity and you're, they're coming to your website and they have a question about pricing, how can that seller engage instantaneously or maybe it's an existing customer that needs some guidance on the next thing they should be buying or using. And then that you know, account manager, that person can engage with them instantly. So we can get into the details of how you do it, but that's at a high level how the two things kind of work. One is about starting conversations. The other is about having the conversation. I love that. So you, you used a term that, you know, we've, that we, we, we've been hearing more and more of, you know, friction. So can you talk about what 
What is friction for the, our, our, our audience that may not know the term? What is friction? And then how does drift help to reduce that friction? It's a good question. So I think there's two types of friction. Well, there's multiple types of friction. Let me, let me take a step back, right? But if you think about... We're not talking uh, physics here, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's a lot of different types of friction, right? I mean, there's in all parts of the, of the world. But from a marketing and sales standpoint, holistically, you can think of it from the internal friction that you have in your business. So how, how is your business set up from a business process standpoint? The systems you use the reporting you use, right? The routing you use, like all of that internal friction that exists. So like, for example, how you process an incoming lead, you know, there, there's a lot of friction typically in that process. So we can talk about that. And then the second you know, type of friction, the other side of that coin is the customer friction. How much friction exists on your website, in your customer interactions, right? But when you move someone from, I'm interested in buying, to going through the sales process, to like learning about pricing, to you know, validating the solution, to the contracting stage, implementation, et cetera, how much friction for them exists? And you really have to think about both types these days um, because at the end of the day, it, you really can't optimize for one or the other to truly make a better customer experience and accelerate your revenue like we were talking about. You have to take both into account and I think conversational marketing and sales does that because it brings you as close as you can to the buyer. So you you try to you try to really use the data that you have about the buyer already in your CRM or your marketing automation system, and you're trying to use that data as part of the experience they're having with you across all of the digital channels they're engaging with you with. And again, I can get into much more specifics here, but at the end of the day, it's like measuring all these points of friction. And how can you reduce them, in some cases, down to zero? Yeah, I love that, Mark. You know, when, when, when I think about friction from a, a marketing and a sales perspective, I'm always thinking, you know, friction is, is conflict, friction is resistance. So when, when we imagine, so everyone out there, when you imagine a, a prospect or even an existing customer jumps on your website, if they've got a question for you, traditionally, what do they do? They hop on your website. And it's so frustrating. They've got to scroll up and look at the menu bar, uh, right? And then they find they find a about us or a contact us. They pull down the menu, they click on the page, and they hope that there's some kind of form or email they have to submit. So, folks, to me, that's friction. That is just an extra barrier of resistance between that customer getting what they want and actually reaching out to you. But imagine if you can reduce that conflict or resistance, reduce that friction, the minute they hop on, poof, a chat window opens up. Hey, got any questions about sales training or keynotes? Bam, right there. So that just, stop, that just stops it right there. It reduces that, that, that friction that Mark's talking about. You were about to say something, Mark. No, no, I mean, it's a great example. I think, though, a lot of people think conversational marketing, um, even conversational sales, is like connect to like live chat or chatbots. And it's, it's not, and I'm gonna explain you why it's not. A, a chatbot or live chat, just like email marketing, is a tool. They're tools, right? And right. The, the difference is uh, we've built what we call the conversational marketing blueprints and the conversational sales formula to help a business actually examine all of the points of friction, all of the different customer interactions 
that exist either on the website or with a seller or with their CSM and try to take a much more relationship-based approach to like, like you described to getting that person to the thing they need in that moment. So what is the outcome or the solution they're looking for in that particular moment? I mean, yeah, the ultimate solution could be like buying your product or, or platform or service, but like they might just need a piece of content or a simple answer, or they need to just right. talk to someone about a question they have as a follow-up. So like we have this, with this other thing we can talk about too called the conversational framework, which is modeled after how humans have conversations with humans. Engage. Ooh, I love this. Yeah, just engage, understand, and recommend. So like, so, yeah. so before we, before we unpack that, because that's, that's really, I think that's the meat of it, right? That's the crux of it, right? So to, to help our audience understand, so we could probably say that live chat is a tool that can be used as a larger, in the context of conversational marketing or conversational selling. Yep. I mean, email, it's just, it's a tool, right? It is. So we have, so Tom, we have like four tools that we recommend people use. We have chat, email, video, and voice. And here's why we, we recommend it. We have, we have solutions or products for all those tools. Here's why. Think about how many chat tools or chat services you use a day. How many chat services do you use in your personal life every single day? How many chat services? Yeah, like WhatsApp or iMessage or... Oh, like, sure. Oh, instant message. Yeah, like all the time. Oh, how many do I use? Pro- probably uh, four. Yeah, I use about five every day. So okay, yeah. human behavior is dictating that humans, people use about five chat services a day. So first yeah. off, if your business isn't engaging with your buyers and customers using chat, that's that's like a missed opportunity. Second, how many times do you, use, do you check your email a day? Well, the funny thing is I don't check it. It's just always there. It's an omnipresent force. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's, it's complete, complete habitual at this point. It's just, yes. yeah. Yes. How many video services are you subscribed to? How would you define a video service? So I'm thinking like YouTube TV or Hulu or Masterclass or any, like how do you consume video? Like all these. Yeah, Masterclass, Netflix, YouTube, Vimeo, right? And that's just um, Amazon Prime, right? Prime Video. Insane, right? It's okay. We as people in our normal daily lives use a lot of video. Okay. It's crazy. And then, and then voice. I mean, we use our voice every day. Do you have any voice-enabled services you use, say, in your home or your car or your office? Siri, but I'm not very good at it. So no Alexa <laughs> for you? No Alexa? No. Nope. Okay. Yep. Yep. So like, that one is still up and coming, I think. But like, yeah. if you think but, but, about it. But that's going to be next level, though, Mark, for sure. I agree with you. I agree with you. We can talk about that. We're, we're going to play, some, I think, some, some interesting bets around that. But the point of that whole exercise is to illustrate that we as people don't use forms, don't use landing pages, don't use marketing automation in our daily lives. Mm. We don't. We, we use the things we just talked about and, and you as a business need to use those tools, but you need to put a strategy behind those tools. Right. And, and that's where conversational marketing and sales comes in. And again, we can get deep into the details of how to do it, but that I think is hopefully a good framing for what we're talking about. <clears throat> 
Mark, I love that because what, what you've just done is you've made the distinction between how sellers and marketers typically like to sell and market versus how customers tend to actually consume things. And there's a, a real disconnect sometimes between the way I sell and you buy or I market and you buy or consume. And if we can, again, reduce the friction, the conflict, the resistance, and create this alignment um, that helps with the buyer journey. You know, people talk about a sales cycle or whatnot, but it's it's honestly less about the sales cycle as it is about a buying cycle. And how do people buy and when do they buy? And if we can meet them there in that moment, and that's, I think, where the conversational marketing comes in, you've got a much better chance of actually advancing that that conversation or that sale. So is this a good time for us to kind of dive deep into, you know, what, what are some of the, the nuts and bolts and the ins and outs of conversational marketing? Yeah, please. Awesome. Right. Let's dive in. Okay. So, so how, how do we do it, Mark? How do we do it? <laughs> so like I mentioned, revenue acceleration is the ultimate goal. I mean, Tom, have you heard of a business that would ever say, Hey, I don't want to accelerate my revenue. <laughs> uh, very few. Yeah. It's like maybe one out of a thousand, maybe. Right. I've never, I've never heard a company that said, um, our goals this year is to kind of, you know, slow, slow down growth. We don't want any additional revenue this year. We're, we're good the way we are. Yeah. Like, what, in what, fact, what, we need to, in fact, we need to scale back. No, haven't heard that. No, no, definitely Thank not. God. Otherwise we'd be out of business as a sales training company. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we've built this revenue acceleration model, which we can link to maybe in the show notes and it's, it's five stages and Again, we can link to the visual, but imagine on the y-axis, right, the vertical axis, that's business productivity. And then on the x-axis, it's time and maturity. So stage one of how you accelerate your revenue is by just engaging your website visitors. Because at the end of the day, no matter if you're B2B or B2C, more and more people are just going to your website to either learn about your business and brand or to buy something. Like it's totally it's that simple. <laughs> so how can you use conversational marketing and sales to engage more of the website visitors that are coming to your website right now? Because I can almost guarantee you, Tom, your business is not set up to maximize the people who are coming to the website right now to book more meetings, to help them get their questions answered, to, to do whatever it is they want to do. Yep. So and it's scary. Every time, every time we look at, you know, a monthly stats of how many visitors we have, and then you, 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 you compare that against how many you know, inbound inquiries you get. You're like, what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, the, the average website conversion rate, 1%, 2% across the entire website, maybe 3%. That's in class. Sad. Yeah, so that's, that's bad. And it's also then just, you know what that also tells me, Tom? It's a bad experience for the people coming to the website. Because like you said, they can't find things. They're going to just bounce off. It's not good. That's right. So that's stage one, and we can, we can unpack that in more detail, but let me go through all the stages. Stage two is about how do you target the right buyers? So we call, we call it like target potential buyers. And this is, this is you know, for the, from the B2B standpoint, this is a little bit more like on the account-based marketing you know, trend and train, but it's more than that because what we really are trying to help businesses at this stage do is you most likely have a set of accounts or a set of um, logos, um, maybe even people at those accounts and logos that you know you want to turn into customers, right? Like, that's like the really hyper-targeted account motion. 
Then you have another set. So, so you, you, what, so for our listeners out there, what, what I think you're, you're saying, Mark, is you know the buyer persona, the customer avatar, the ideal customer profile. Is that, is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. So I would say this is more about like honing in your total addressable market and saying what is your, what is the ICP, and then when, yeah. within the ICP though, you can narrow that down using firmographic and technographic and demographic yep. and other things. And then make segmented lists to really spe- to really specify these accounts will probably have a high propensity to buy, and they not only will have a high propensity to buy, but they will also they will also probably be very successful with our product. So we do that at this stage, but it's more than that, Tom. At this stage, we're taking into account who's coming to your website by looking at the information and data. So the implicit and explicit data you have in your marketing automation system. We can talk about the difference of of those two data sets. And then we're looking at the data you have in your CRM and we're using that valuable data to personalize the web experience for all of those different types of buyers, maybe depending on what stage of the journey they're in. Maybe it's dependent on the vertical. Maybe it's dependent on the persona. Maybe it's dependent on, on um, I don't know, geos, but we can use that, couple that with the channel they're coming from. So the channel could be paid search. The channel could be display. The channel could be organic. And then we could take that a step further and we can target them based off of what they're engaging with. Maybe it's content. Maybe it's one of your demo videos. Maybe it's another asset, but like if you tie those things together, the who, yeah. the channel, so where they're coming from and what they're, they're engaging with and what are you using to target them with, you're going to create a much more personalized experience, which will increase your conversion rate. And really what we measure here is the number of opportunities created and the value of those opportunities. Wow. I love that. So it sounds like you're able to use this by pulling all of this data to be able to identify, okay, so what's the context within which they're actually here? And then what's the best way to actually start that conversation with them, right? You nailed it. We're eliminating these data silos that exist in your back office systems, aka your marketing automation, your CRM, you know, maybe your, your um, you know, uh, account-based, you know, system like Sixth Sense or demand-based, something like that. And we're bringing that so that you can use that data in a, in a way that's going to make the buying experience better and the customer experience better, but will also increase your conversion rate and connect those, those potential buyers with your sales team much faster. So at a minimum, before we get into the latter stages, we always will help someone implement stage one and two, engaging more website visitors and targeting more potential buyers, because that's a like table stakes today. If you're not doing that, you don't have a chance to accelerate your revenue. Right, right. So what's the distinction then between uh, the implicit and the explicit? Yeah, so um, explicit is like, yeah, firmographic, you know, uh, demographic. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like uh, any data that you can find maybe from like ZoomInfo is another data provider, right? You know, implicit is like, it could be anything. It could be like the content they're consuming, the, the, the product usage metrics. Like, you know how, uh, do you use Spotify? Oh yeah, you know how one of our customers people? actually. What's that? One of our customers. Oh, I love that. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spotify does that like year in review for you personally, right? Like, like the music yeah. you listen to. That's implicit yeah. data. That, you know, 
So like marketers, I think, are just starting to scratch the surface of how to use this implicit data and these signals to further personalize the relationship building process with, gotcha. with the buyer and a customer. So we could say for our audience, uh, they could say, for example, the, the explicit is the, the demographics, the firmographics, if you're looking at a B2B context. Uh, but then the implicit is more you know, psychographics. It's the behavior. It's the uh, you know, trigger events. What's going on for that person right now or for that company right now, for love, example? Love that. Yes. Okay, cool. Okay, so th- those were the first two stages. Am I right, Mark? Yeah, those are only two stages, Tom. That's, yeah, so. Okay, cool. So, so those are kind of the foundational stages, right? And you mentioned that, there, that there's five. So what are the next three? So the next one is where it becomes really interesting. This is where typically like the chief revenue officer and the chief marketing officer really need to form, I hate to say alignment because it's so overdone. I'm sure you think the same thing, like alignment. Like, it's like, oh my God. But a genuine alignment for real, right? It, it's alignment, but I think it's more like it, they gotta, they gotta um, execute together. They gotta act together. So what I mean by that is at this stage, we're, we're helping you know, C-level folks on the marketing and sales side accelerate deal cycles. So really it's about equipping your account executive team with conversational sales and conversational marketing. So, you know, stage one and two, it's, it's both inbound and outbound. You, you can do that. You, you can do both those stages and should do both those stages with a combination of SDRs, BDRs, you know, inbound marketing, all the other types of marketing that go along with conversational marketing and sales. But at this stage, it's about, not only how do we make sure that the account executive and sales development and marketing you know, functions and teams are well executing together, really it's about how do we use intelligence in stage one and two. So intelligence, uh, what I mean by that is um, AI. How do we use AI and go into stage one and two now and, and further optimize the different interactions and touch points of the customer experience and lifecycle using, again, AI. And we, we use um, a couple of things. We could do a whole other podcast on our like the classifier <laughs> technology, the dialogue manager. But we're using these tools to say to the visitor, hey, you know, thanks for coming back to the website, Tom. I have any questions about pricing because you're on the pricing page and you've been there right. only once. And the AI will be able to respond just like a human because it's learned from human conversations that it ingests into the model and it can start to get smarter over time. So like there's so much we could unpack with this stage, but it's about the AI. It's about the alignment and execution together. And it's about how can we make sure that an account executive at this stage is extremely equipped to connect with a buyer no matter where they are coming from and what page they're visiting so that you don't miss a chance to take an opportunity and turn it into a customer. I love that. And what I really love is the context. So using AI to kind of track their behavior, what page did they just come from? Did they just watch a video, for example, or an online demo? And so you can almost use this as a a pre-qualification tool, couldn't you? Yeah, so a lot of our customers will use this as we call it the um, the lead qualifier use case. 
So it, so I was reading something the other day, and, and so I've been studying a lot about sales development teams, and I'm sure you're an expert in sales development, so I'd love your take on this. Sales development can be more transactional or it could be more strategic. And I think what the automation can do on the lead qualifier side is, is, make, is take away the, the transactional sales development, which is like the qualification to get a meeting, and move sales development teams so they're more in the middle to maybe bottom of the sales process from a supporting role for the AE and make them just uh, more helpful for both the buyer and the AE. So it's almost like post that first meeting, how can we make sure that the buyer is moving through the sales milestones and they're, they're buying on our terms and they're not, they're not dictating the sales process. We're, we're dictating it for them, obviously done in a very personal and delightful way. Yeah, I think it's really about making it easier for them to say yes. It's making it easier for them to get their questions answered and, and, and to help, whether it's the SDR or the AE, to actually ask better questions mm. so, that we're not, so that we're not starting from zero. Like, hey, so tell me about your company. Tell me about what's going on right now. Tell me about what you're looking for. Tell me about your biggest challenges. We can use AI. We can use all of this to bypass that and kind of be further along already in the funnel and maybe asking confirmation questions. So I'm wondering if this, or it sounds like that, am I right? Do I understand correctly? Versus where, where are you at right now? 100%. I love that. And it should also at the same time help that particular visitor understand more about your business. This goes to the other, you know, we have this model. We haven't talked about the framework yet, but understanding is a two-way street. Like what, what a forum does really bad, just as an example, is it helps you as the business understand this person better because they're giving you like this, this information that you're asking for probably over and over again. But it doesn't really help them, the visitor who's filling out that form, understand more right. about your business. Unless they fill it out completely and then they have to go to the piece of content maybe and you have, they have to hope that that piece of content is what was promised on the landing page. Yeah, 100%. I, I was just talking to someone the other day, Mark, and I said – as businesses, as salespeople, we tend to ask questions that serve us, yeah. but they don't serve the customer at all. And then you wonder why they don't return your calls. It's shocking. <laughs> <laughs> so does that help frame stage three? Because there's two more. Yeah, yeah for sure. Okay. It's, okay. More, it's more of a customer centric approach, right? It's having a, a sense of context. Where are they coming from? What's important to them? Yeah, yeah. It's using, this is also where deal insights, we call it like deal insights. So it's taking the information that the conversational marketing and sales um, solutions are collecting as part of like our revenue acceleration platform. And it's telling you, here are the experiences that you built, say using chat or email, because we have, we have AI in both those products. Here are the ones that are actually helping you get to your, your goal which ultimately is, is revenue or, you know, at least opportunity creation. And here are the ones that are helping the customer do the same. And here are the ones that are not. So I think half of the gold in automation and AI is the insights. The other half is how fast it can get you that, that, that customer or that business to the right outcome. Right. But like, it's both things. So at this stage, it's about making stage one and two even more powerful and truly at this stage, bringing in your account executive team to be part of this whole thing so that 
because of AI, because you're making the experience better, and because your account executive now, account executives can engage people in real time across maybe a 5, 10, 20 person buying committee. When any of those people come to the website, that account executive knows that and has an option of, of responding. Mm. Okay, cool. I love this. Okay. So then what's the next step? Next step is now you're talking about growing customer value. So you, you, you know, marketing and sales makes a lot of promises and you got to fulfill the promise. <laughs> oh no. Now you're just talking. Now this is crazy talk, Mark. And I actually think these next two stages are going to be more important than ever. Some of this is from my past experience at HubSpot. Some of this is what we see at Drift, but like any good salesperson knows or any good CRO will tell you that they care so much about retention. Would you agree? Like net, like net or gross dollar retention is so important to a, a really good CRO. Yeah, for sure. Especially, especially now more than ever. Uh, it's getting harder and harder for customers to acquire for, for companies to acquire new customers. Uh, I mean, imagine if your existing customer base was all you had to survive for the next year or two. Would that change your strategy around retention? Yeah, it would. Yeah, and this is the rise of customer marketing. Uh, so it's some of that. It's some of like the the, the revenue team should now not only be marketing and sales, the revenue team should be marketing, sales, and customer success. That's how we think about it. So that's, that's yeah. how we define the revenue team. And, and those three teams together work to accelerate revenue. Because to your point, Tom, most businesses are either subscription-based, SaaS-based, have some way to expand customers, or, or if you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, my product or service, there's really nothing to add on to it. There's no upgrade, there's no cross-sell, whatever. I would argue, Tom, those businesses then are even, you know, need to use this more because what they're at the mercy of is word of mouth. Use your customers to attract other customers. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So if you're not delivering, if you're not growing customer value and delivering that value to them and accelerating the time to their value, the time to the promise you made to them and actually ideally exceeding their expectation. You, you could have major problems. So at stage four, it's about how do we get the customer success and support team using conversational marketing and sales. And really that just means when a customer comes to your website or say to your knowledge base or say to your training section or to your university or academy or whatever it might be, the experience changes. Because mm. <laughs> they yeah, have different questions. <laughs> Go ahead, yeah, sorry. Exactly. Different questions because it's a different experience that they're having at those different touch points with those different that those different pieces of content that they're consuming, right? So then yeah. yeah. So then what's step five? Step five, we'll wrap it up here uh, with this whole model. It's it's about transforming customer engagement. So this is I would say I would argue maybe maybe you could say Amazon does this pretty well. So I'm going back to the, the, the channels I listed out in the beginning. Chat, email, video voice. How many businesses, Tom, would you say have mastered personalizing your experience across all of those channels, including the website, of course? Like, <laughs> uh, mastered? Yeah, mastered. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I, I wouldn't say mastered, but there are some that are pretty darn close. 
Yeah. So they're like, they're definitely between stage four and five. Stage five yeah. for our customers is aspirational. You know, drift mm-hmm. is not at stage five. You know, there's like, I say Amazon. I mean, what are some businesses that maybe come to your mind that come to mind for you that have, that have come close to this or getting close to this? Do you think? Yeah. Amazon's like that. Kindle's like that. Uh, Netflix is like that. Spotify is like that. Apple, you could say, right. Probably like getting yeah. close-ish maybe. And some of that is yeah. more in person, right? Their in-person experiences are pretty darn good. Um, yeah. So at this stage, it's about truly changing how you engage with customers across the entire spectrum of the customer lifecycle. And it's, it's using the data to inform product strategy. So this is, this is completely different. So it's like, wait a minute, if I have all of this data about my customers because I have all of this conversational data, right, relationship-based data, and I know all of the questions they asked during the sales process, I know the questions they asked, the questions they asked during the onboarding process, I know the questions they asked during renewal. I know their product usage. I know how much they purchased from us, how they've grown. I know the demographics and firmographics about them. Now it's about like, yeah, using AI more to make those experiences better across stage one through four, across those four major channels of communication and how we just live today and communicate. But it's also about like product strategy, product development, and like really, and this is where Amazon is amazing, right? Look at Amazon. They're using all this data to make products that their consumers want. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, you, using the data to kind of move, there's like four, four stages of um, uh, data analytics. So it's sort of like m- moving through those stages to like predictive and prescriptive analytics. Yeah. yeah. Next level stuff. So, you know, as we, as we wrap up, Mark, what, what would you say is sort of the, 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 the biggest mistake that sales and marketers make when it comes to, you know, conversational marketing or conversational selling? Well, I mean, uh, maybe this isn't the answer you're looking for. The, the biggest mistake, number one, is, is actually not investing in it. And is, so let me, let me unpack that. It's not treating your website as probably the most important marketing and sales asset you have. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's huge. So it's about, you know, sellers and marketers really thinking more about, uh, this is an amazing piece of real estate that they have, that they've been investing so much money and time over the years to create this, what they hope is a great user experience or a customer experience and as a lead gen, but not really looking at, well, is it working for us and, and how can we make it work better? So Mark, what do you, what do you feel like, you know, let, let's look at it from like a, a sales context. So, you know, a lot of our audience, they're, they're business owners, a lot of sales leaders, sales professionals from a conversational selling standpoint. And I'm happy because I've got, I've got drift on my phone, the app on my phone. So I use this, I've used drift video. I love it. What, what should sellers start doing right now? I would say, you got to first talk to your marketing team about what are they doing to increase the real time engagement of all of these visitors that are coming to their website. So like challenge your marketing team <laughs> to do that, right? Like sales reps like to do that, Mark. So that's an easy sell right here. <laughs> be like, all right, so I, so I just heard from Mark and Tom that my our website is probably a one to 2% conversion rate. And right. we have all of these visitors that are coming to a website that we, that we either don't know or do know who they are. 
but we're not changing the experience for them and we're not trying to even engage with them in the slightest more personal way so that I as a seller can connect with them and actually do deeper discovery and create a value hypothesis around how we can help them. Yeah. Like, so like challenge that. The second thing is we didn't talk about it really at all. I mentioned it a couple of times, but like a seller can use this engage, understand, recommend framework. And so let me unpack that really quickly. Engage is about asking and acknowledging. So you ask the right questions and you acknowledge responses, right? It's just like, that's just what you do, right? Like, again, it goes kind of back to discovery. It kind of goes you know, through to solution scoping and validation and all this other stuff. But like, Discovery never ends. So as a seller, you probably know this, Tom, like the way I think about it is that you want to be a curious learning machine trying to learn as much as you can about the buyer. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. So that's engage. Understand is like learning and responding. What can you learn about this buyer so that you do respond with the best either maybe next question or the next best um, piece of advice? for them, given that sales conversation, that context. So awesome. That's understand. And I think the understand goes two ways, Tom, like if we were having a more fluid conversation, you know, you, I would be asking you more questions so that I could understand you a bit better and you could understand me a bit more better. And it would be a little bit more natural, you know? So, and then recommend, um, and, and, and if you look at the visual for this, it's, a, it's in a circle and in each of these things, engage, understand, recommend, it's double-sided arrows going between them because a conversation, I can't get dynamic and fluid. Recommend is all like the micro conversations that a seller could add to a conversation kind of as part of like a, um, you know, value-based sales motion, consultative sales. I think so. We, we've used a blend of like, you know, challenger sale and consultative selling. Um, you know, a lot of people just blend things together. But like, I, I, I think that's good because as recommendations, like you're building credibility and trust and you're showing competence to the buyer. Yeah, 100%. And you, and you need that because customers have more information now than they ever had. So the content is there, but what they really need is the context. And they need someone who can say, look, out of all the websites you've looked at, out of all of the people you've talked to, out of all the questions you have, let me just, you know, pack this nice and neat for you and make some suggestions, right? Let me put this all together for you to make your buying decision a lot easier. Awesome, Mark. This has been great. Thank you so much. Um, we've learned a lot. I, I guarantee you we're going to have to do a follow-up episode because there's so much more that we could go here. And I think this was great. But a really great starting point and a great call to action, especially for sales and marketing people in, in both domains, to really question and challenge what's the conversion rate on our website and how do we actually get more inbound leads, create more opportunities from inbound, and we can even unpack using it as an, as an outbound tool with Drift Video and some other things. So I think this is really fascinating. So Mark, thank you so much. How can people get a hold of you to learn more? Google my name. Just Google my name <laughs> and Twitter and LinkedIn will come up. <laughs> okay. okay, cool. So Mark Killens, K-I-L-E-N-S, M-A-R-K, Mark Killens. You can find him anywhere uh, online. Cool. Thank you so much, Mark. It's been really great chatting with you today. Thank you, Tom. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And we'll talk soon. If you want to go deep into implementing social selling, we have a brand new social selling course coming out shortly on our e-learning platform, Soco Academy. Check the link in the show notes for more details about the course.